us. What we do in life? Echoes in eternity. I mean, this is what's wrong with the Christian church today. We don't know who God is. And we don't know who we are. This is where we hold them. This is where we fight. Officer, you need to repent of your lawless conduct. You don't know the law, and yet you pretend to represent it. That's not law enforcement, sir. That's being a thug. We will not stop fighting and bothering you all until this monstrous, barbaric practice of legalized abortion ends, and we are teaching our children to do the same. God's word says that the shed blood of innocent humans cries out for justice, and mark my words, they will have their day in court. Nobody gets saved by being treated nicely. They get saved by hearing the gospel. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. If we don't open our mouths and commend Christ, we're not loving him, no matter what we're doing with our hands. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Provoked. I'm here with my wonderful sister, Hello. Desiree. <laughs> Do you like going by Desi or Desiree better? Um, either way, I like Desi for people that know me well. Sometimes it's a little disarming for me for some reason. I don't know why. It's just a weird thing. I, I don't know what it is. But if somebody I don't know says, hey, Des, I don't know why that sounds like aggressive to me. <laughs> That's funny because I only call you Des. I know. If yeah. people I know call me Des or Desi, I don't think twice. Desiree, that's a little bit more formal. Like they don't probably don't know me that well. Mm -hmm. A lot of people just call me Desiree and I don't correct them. Yeah, I don't like Desiree. Yeah, because yeah, my not, name is Desiree. So, but tomato, tomato, whatever. Um, yeah, welcome to our podcast. We hope you love it because it's the best podcast <laughs> ever created. It's like the best one, you know. Think yeah. about any other podcast. Ours is better. <laughs> um, but the purpose of our podcast is just simply we want to use this as a vessel to serve Christ. And to um, encourage our brothers and sisters out there, because we have millions within the church system, the nation, right? Professing Christians who don't put feet to their faith, right? They don't evangelize. They don't really understand what the gospel is. And you only know what you know, right? And it's really has to do with pulpits, has to do with spiritual leadership, um, not really understanding what evangelism is and not, um, of course, teaching that to the body and on and on and on. But we, you know, the purpose of this podcast is not to... Um, you know, come against the local church. It's to come under the local church, to come alongside of the local church and its leadership and just assist the saints and say, hey, you know, we're just some average ordinary people just trying to obey the Great Commission. And uh, we want to provoke you. And sometimes people don't like that word. I think we got a couple of messages say, why is it provoked? Mm -hmm. What do you need? What do, what do you need to provoke people? And I think we provoke people. Why? Because we want to stir them up to love and good works. So we provoke them to stir them up to love and good works in mm -hmm. that area of Christian living, evangelism, apologetics. Um, yeah. So we want to stir the heart. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Because I think um, people think we need to be Christians have to be nice all the time. Yeah. It's like cause provoking somebody. Think about provoke. Why'd you provoke me? Or, you know, don't provoke your sister or brother by saying that. So mm -hmm. it has like a negative connotation. But it's a scriptural kind of, um, I guess, uh, issue or it's a scriptural, 
example of, you know, Paul was provoked in his spirit and because he was provoked and he was moved to engage the culture with the gospel. Right. Right. So we want to provoke it. Also, it's almost like there's, there's such a sleeping giant within the American church mm-hmm. that you kind of need to push him and poke him and say, hey, this is what Christ has called you to do. He, he is your master. You've been bought by his blood. Mm-hmm. Your life is no longer your own. He says, go out and proclaim the gospel. And that's what we should do. Right. So that's what our show's about. Um, if you could right now go to apologiastudios.com and become an all access member. Um, just tons of incredible information that you can just wade through there and thousands of hours of incredible teaching. It's a good way to, especially for dudes because of our, our three primary duties as Christian men is to provide protect and to be the priest of our homes. And so we always need to be increasing in our ability to provide, to protect our family, and then to govern our homes spiritually. And so this is a great thing that you can do as a guy, take in all this great uh, biblical information so you can teach it to your kids and your wife. And as you support Apologia Studios financially, it keeps lights on and keeps everything going. Where can they go for all that? You can go to apologiastudios.com. While you're there, you can go over to reformcon.org and pray about joining us in the end of October because it's going to be fun. The last time we went, it was really just a great time of learning and fellowship and um yeah, everybody had a blast. My kids loved it. So he's going to be preaching. No, nope, nope. (laughs) Just just kidding. (laughs) Probably be there and you know helping in the kitchen and stuff. We've lost eighty percent of. Yeah, they're like guys. Yeah. No, it's going to be rad. Yeah, there's going to be tons of people. We got a huge venue. It's just going to be. It's the Sheraton over there in um, Mesa Riverview, right? I think. Yeah, it's really nice over there. There's a really cool park, too, if you have kids. Yeah, we're afterwards. expecting a big number, so it's going to be sweet. Yeah, go to reformcom.org mm-hmm. and sign up and come see us. Yeah, and while we have you, um, please give us a five-star review if you like our podcast, um, because that's going to help kind of boost our numbers. And um, we're so thankful for all the messages we got the last couple of weeks after Jesse's um uh, test testimony, our episode with Jesse yeah. Trek from Italy. So thank you guys for all your very, just messages of encouragement. And that was a really, I liked that episode. Yeah, it was it was encouraged me so much. So and then we'll get out there in Italy. Yeah, that would be amazing. Cool. Well, talk to us a little bit about um, your husband and yeah. what's been going on. So Don, um, a lot of you know, um, ran for state house representative in our district and it started about 18 months ago, kind of started the the process. He felt called to step out in that area in faith and, you know, kind of put some feet to his faith and kind of branch into the political realm. And um, last night was the primaries to go on and he didn't make it. Um, and so now we're kind of just um, in the aftermath of that. It was just, you know, a lot of work and we mm-hmm. learned a ton and had a lot of people come around us um, and, and show us you know, kind of the ins and outs of running for office. And so it was a really great experience. Um, It was really cool to see him. You know, he's such an organized man and just person. And he's like, I was telling you, just like a good athlete. Like when he goes in, he plays to win and he gives it his all. So it was really cool to just see him kind of step out into that area that he's never stepped out into. And uh, just all the love and support that we've got from our church and elders and friends and um 
being having our kids being able to see their dad, you know, do that. And I, we talked about that last night because our son Liam was 11, was super bummed out. And we said, look, we're not called to results. We're just called to faithfulness. Mm-hmm. And dad felt called to do this and to learn. And God doesn't say you need to win. He just says, be obedient. And so, um, you know, our prayer is that God will use Don and this experience to encourage other men to step out into the political realm and right men and women. And um, what was his main goals or goals? I mean, why did he want to do it? Because it required a lot of sacrifice. Yeah. His main goal was just to um, he wanted to be able to put forward legislation to protect all life mm-hmm. and and abortion in this state. And he just wanted, you know, to be a, a voice of Christ in that area, in the political realm. Right. So, so what an incredible example. We just hope that through that, he'll be able to lead more Christian men and women mm-hmm. into the po- political realm because the scriptures say when the wicked rule, the people groan. And so when the righteous rule, even though we're only righteous by Christ and his blood, mm-hmm. um, it brings about the blessing of the Lord. Right. So, yeah, it's just sad to see so many Christians uh, demonize any political involvement. I really think it has to do with undergirding, undergirding theological systems Mm -hmm. right where anything to do with the world is inherently bad and we can't really that's just not our realm and we we can understand that there is jurisdiction jurisdictional boundaries there like i as a you know uh, upholding an office within the church couldn't run to be a governor right those are two that's a silver realm um and then there's the civil government church government and i couldn't do that unless i like resigned but we need to get more christian men, men and women in political positions of power, you know, governed by the constitution, but also their understanding of God's law. Right. Yeah. I was just thinking about, you know, when we go out to the abortion mill, we are pleading with the moms and we're telling them, you know, this baby is going to be like no other baby. There's never going to be a baby in all of throughout history. That's going to be the exact same imprint as your child with their soul, their unique their love, you know, their precious God has made them in mm-hmm. his image. And so, but I think that about other everybody too. Right. <laughs> I was thinking about Don and how unique God created him and made him with these special giftings. And, you know, uh, our guest that's coming on, you know, God has created you. He's given you certain talents and giftings. And we're just called to use them all for his glory because the man's chief end is to glorify God and to mm-hmm. enjoy, enjoy him, him forever. forever. Right. And so whatever your unique giftings are sometimes it's easy to feel like you don't have any but god has given you you know certain qualities that there's never going to be anybody like you throughout all history and so that's not to puff yourself up but it's just to say god is a masterful creator and he's mm-hmm. a and designer and he you're a unique individual with your own talents and god has put you on this earth for a purpose during this time to make him known Exactly. With that being said, I want to introduce our guest, our friend and brother in the Lord, um, Eddie Roman. Hi, Eddie. How are you? Hey, doing good. Thanks so much for having me on. Provoked. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks, man. So, so uh, thankful that you're, you're on because I know you're a busy guy. Yeah, I am kind of busy, but um, I found shelter in a corner of my bedroom right now to talk to you guys. So (laughs) Sweet. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Eddie is a director, producer. Are you guys still producing anything as far as Way of the Master, or is that kind of over? 
Yeah, no, actually, we just launched uh, season eight. And so um, if you go to livingwaters.com, you could find all the listings. But yeah, it's going strong. It's it's airing in 190 countries all over the world. And it continues to actually be our biggest outreach. You know, so many people see us on YouTube and we got tons of YouTube videos. But the television side of thing is actually where the majority of people who find out about Living Waters for the first time, they're coming from flipping through channels. And so Way the Master still is, um, you know, kind of the 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 biggest uh, outreach. And the format we have now is is a lot different. Basically, I've been taking a crew of about uh, four, four or five guys out and just following Ray and Easy and Mark and Oscar around. And so it's just like, witnessing clips gone crazy from a bunch of different angles and stuff. So it's, it's a, it's a lot different, but you know, we all like it more because it's just kind of showcasing the stuff that made, I don't know, Ray, Ray known as that's just, that's just his witnessing clips. So, but yeah, way the masters definitely uh, going strong. That's, that's so awesome. It's just been amazing to see God use Ray and you guys all in just the ministry. I think you guys have a million subscribers now. Right on uh, yeah. YouTube. Yep. Wow. Yep. Now two we, two million, I think, on YouTube, right? No, or, I think it's or a plays or something. I, I don't know. I can't keep track. Actually, someone I've, I've, I'm so focused on uh, TV. I know we passed a million yeah. subscribers a while ago, but I think yeah, that it's pretty neat. My son Liam watches and pays attention. I, he said they had their golden <laughs> play button, so I think that yes. means you have two million. He has one. They have one point one three. Okay. There you go. (laughs) That's awesome. It seems like it's skyrocketed too. Like you guys, you know, went from 100,000 to four to five, but it just exponentially, the time kind of gaps shrunk between, you know, so many people subscribing to your channel. You know, what's crazy is COVID was just a huge blessing to us because everybody was at home. Everybody was on their computers and um, that's when the view count just went nuts. Wow. So many people found out about living waters during COVID and, and it's actually becoming kind of a problem because every single time we go out filming, um, people will come up to Ray and they'll say, Hey, we just came in from Arizona. We thought you'd be here. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just, they, you know, so it's, it's, it's cool. But at the same time, we're like, can't you see he's trying to talk to someone? Can you step back for <laughs> so it's, it's so it's kind of funny, but yeah, we we definitely have gained um, crazy amount of of viewers and subscribers just during COVID. Yeah, so that's so great. Yeah, yeah, it's just been and like I said before, just really a special thing. Um, you know, looking into your guys' ministry, especially him using Ray. Uh, specifically, it's it's just incredible what the guys do. I know I know the street preaching scene since Ray started out on the streets has kind of has kind of exploded. You know, just his example going out there faithfully with the true true gospel, um, mm-hmm. not a you know false gospel or a, or a watered down gospel. But it's just been incredible to see so many men inspired and moved along into public evangelism because of his testimony and your guys's work there. Why do you think um, it's been so successful? Man, I, I don't, you know, a big part of it is just Ray himself. I think his, his faithfulness, um, he is just the real deal. What you see on YouTube is what he's like in person, his character. I mean, there's, there's so much stuff 
about him on a personal level that people don't even know about. Um, he, he, he really, and, and it's funny cause he's, he's a, he's a friend and I don't really talk this way about him a lot, but he really is a man of God. Like there's, there's times when he'll be at Huntington beach and, you know, there's been times when he's gotten into just this heated debate with maybe a homeless guy and the guy's just cussing at him and going on and on and on. And then after, after it's all over and the guy's sitting there, Ray will go over and, and say, Hey man, can I buy you some shoes? And he'll take him across the street to just the first surf shop they see there at Huntington beach. And they'll say, okay, just pick one. And you know, in this one case, I'm thinking about the guy went in and he picked like super expensive shoes and Ray just bought them and just gave them to him. And like, wow. that's the kind of guy he is. And he wow. does that. He does that with food. He does that. Like he's constantly carrying in and out gift cards and he just gives them to everybody all the time, you know? So, so he's, he really is just a, a loving, gracious man. But you know, when it comes to what, when it comes to evangelism, as everybody knows, he just does not stop. Like literally every single day he gets on his little bicycle and he goes out in the neighborhood and just interviews people every single day. He, he does that wow. three or three or four people every day. Like yeah. that's all he does. So, and, and that's it. I mean, biblically <clears throat> God blesses faithfulness, right? Yeah. It's just faithful commitment, faithful obedience to the word. And I think that's part of it. And I would think he's such a balanced guy too. Like you just talked about. He's firm in the truth. He's not going to compromise. And I've watched, I don't know how many of his videos in the past almost 20 years. Um, so he's firm in the, in the, in the truth, but he's also so gracious and actually loves the people mm -hmm. that he's talking to. And he speaks the truth in love. And sadly, there's not a lot of examples of guys who speak the truth in love out there in a, in a massive public format. I think, you know, our, uh, Pastor Jeff Durbin does that well too. I mean, has Absolutely. that robust theological understanding and knowledge, never compromises the truth, but also knows how to deal with people who are up in your faith or up in your face. And Ray does the same thing. And I would just say too, because I've thought a lot about it, it's the it's really the understanding of the law in its place in the gospel message. I think that as well as just who Ray is and the vessel that he is, but him kind of bringing back the law into evangelism is why God has blessed it so much. Yeah. Um, you know, for, for those who might not have heard this already, if, if there, there's a message he, he did about evangelism, it's his classic evangelism teaching. It's called hell's best kept secret. And if you go to, either hellsbestkeptsecret.com or just livingwaters.com, you can find that teaching and it just kind of gives his philosophy on evangelism and you watch his videos and then you listen to that message and you, you understand what he's doing and why he's doing it. But it, but it's like you said, you know, he's using the law. Um, he's not just going up to people and saying, Jesus loves you. He's right. not just going up to people and, and trying to, emulate what he might've saw at an altar call, you know, and, that, and that's kind of what we fall into as Christians, you know, at the beginning of the show, you were saying how the lack of evangelism in this country is in part the responsibility of the teachers and the preachers, you know, and, and for, for years, for decades, we've been presented this idea that evangelism is, you know, this, this uh, telling people that God loves them, um, and, and then, you know, a few other things, you know, say this prayer. And so as a church, I think 
you know, we, we, we do as we're told. And so we've got this idea that that's what we do. Um, and even sadder than that, we got this idea that evangelism is for the elite. It's for the super spiritual. It's for the missionaries, you know, maybe once a year we'll go out and do evangelism in another country, but for the rest of us, you know, it's just not something we do. And so I think when people watch Ray and they just see how natural and biblical um, and easy and even f- how fun it can be, yeah. you know, like that, that's a, that's a thing about him too. People are just scared to death about doing evangelism. And here's this little funny guy just cracking jokes. And it's, <laughs> it's you know, it's, it's super interesting. And I mean, his videos really are representative of the fact that when you go up to someone and start talking to them, like all kinds of stuff is going to happen. And, and it's not a cookie cutter thing at all. And it's, it's just a great, practice you know the practice of regularly sharing your faith um i I, sadly i think a lot of christians are just missing out on on so much um just in their spiritual walk with with simply you know being clueless on on the fact that they should be evangelized man that is so true they're missing out on so much of the blessing that comes through it but then what we talk about to our folks at our church is sanctification too because mm. evangelism is just a primary part of Absolutely. sanctification and we say it's kind of like an engine you know your spiritual life is like an engine with different pistons right and so one of the pistons that needs to be firing is prayer or, or like the scriptures say adherence to the apostles teaching and that's just the intake of the word of god community fellowship but evangelism is one too but we don't treat evangelism like in everyday practice right we don't it's like well we'll do it once a week or or not even that we'll do it a couple times a year or something and then it's kind of like an annual endeavor but it absolutely affects your sanctification because it's got to be a a process oriented thing that you're doing not an event oriented Mm -hmm. you see what i mean so it's huge okay cool um let's go back in time a little bit and we just kind of want to hear your testimony like how did god save you how did you get into the world of evangelism how did you start working for living water. So just tell us as much as you want. Yeah. Back in time, back to the eighties. So, uh, man, around, around 1983, I was, uh, down at my local seven 11. I was a Pac-Man champion. I actually won, <laughs> actually won a belt buckle for the, like the Pac-Man championship of, of, uh, I don't know San Diego or my neighborhood or whatever it was. Um, and so that's what I did. I hung out um, playing video games. And when we weren't playing video games, we would go over to the magazine rack and look at the skateboarding and the surfing and the BMX stuff. And for whatever reason, I just got really interested in BMX. I wanted to get rad. I wanted to be mm-hmm. like a motorcycle guy. And so I saved up my paper route money and bought a used BMX bike and that became my life. Um, and so for about three years, I would just uh, get home from Catholic school oh. <laughs> and, and then uh, just ride ride my bike and, and copy all the guys I would see in the magazines. And then uh, eventually met a group of other guys who rode and started going to contests and started winning contests. And you can imagine my surprise when I went over to that magazine rack at 7-Eleven one day and picked it up and I was in it. Whoa. And so, yeah, it was re- really cool. This is before the internet. This is when <laughs> you had to look at magazines to to see stuff. And so that began, it's about a little over 10 years of just 
full-time riding and, and eventually turned pro, um, got to tour all over America and Europe and uh, Tahiti, different, different places. Um, yeah. And I was, I was one of the guys that was in the magazines all the time and they didn't have it on television a lot back then. This is before the X games, mm. but I was on, on television a few times and, you know, the, so I, I was just a little, uh, l- little BMX star. And it was just, it was just, it was just funny look, looking back. Um, and so during that time I was, you know, extremely fulfilled and happy and and just living life. And if you would have asked me if I believed in God, I would have said, yeah. And, you know, I was like, I would have told you I was a Catholic and didn't think about it too much. Um, eventually my BMX riding just, you know, that my, my life just became doing that all the time. So eventually the older I got, the less hold my parents had on me, the, the more I would skip church and, I never really would say that I was against God, but I just didn't care about him. And and being a Catholic, obviously, I didn't have an idea of who the right God was in the first place. But there came a point um, in my later teenage years when, you know, I was sleeping around, I was promiscuous and and all that. And just kind of out of nowhere, I just started getting convicted mm-hmm. and nobody talked to me. Nobody preached to me. Didn't read the Bible. Wasn't even going to church, but I just started just feeling guilty about my promiscuity. And it's actually kind of funny. So in my mind, I just thought I need to get right with God. So I went to uh, the Catholic church. I went to confession. And so for for you non-Catholics out there, confession is when you go into a little room and you tell the priest all the sins you've done and he prescribes a few prayers and forgives you. And that's kind of how it works. Um, and so I go to this priest and I, I say, hey, uh, you know, I haven't been to confession for years. I don't even remember what I'm supposed to say. Is it okay if I still do this? And he said, yeah, that's fine. Because there's like structured things you're supposed to say to the priest before you confess. And I said, well, um, I've been having sex and I know that's not right. Um, and, and I'm not married. And he says, uh, well, he asked me, so do you use a condom? Oh boy. And there's a Catholic priest. And I said, well, yeah. And he said, well, it's okay. As long as you protect the girl, um, you're fine. Yeah. And so, and so I walked out of that church, a happy man, because (laughs) I thought everything was fine. Mm Um, and I went and said the prayers he told me to pray, but it, it didn't take just maybe a week or two weeks where the conviction was back. And I knew that that guy was wrong. I, I knew that it was wrong. And, and, um, shortly after that, uh, I broke up with my girlfriend and that relationship, or I didn't break up with her. I said, Hey, we could still be boyfriend and girlfriend, but let's not, you know, let's not have sex anymore. And so that relationship lasted about another week, you know, cause that's, that's all that it consisted of. It was pretty, pretty pathetic. And then not too long after that, a friend of mine, a guy named Vic Murphy, who was a pro BMXer, he got saved. And I watched him go from being uh, a drunk and, and just a irresponsible, you know, party guy kind of guy. And he got, he, he, he became undrunk and normal and he started going to church and he started preaching the gospel to everybody. And I went to church with them. And 
you know, at first I thought, well, I'm a Catholic. I know what church is about. But it was the first time I'd ever been to a Christian church where they actually teach the Bible and go through the Bible. And I'd really never heard the Bible being taught before. And I heard the Sermon on the Mount. And I heard that if you lust after a woman, it's the same as committing adultery. And that really hit me because even though I had gone to Catholic church pretty much my whole life, um, never heard that before. And, it, and it's sad because like, I just remember that when I'm talking to people now, it's like so many people are, are just in some kind of religious system and yet they, they don't know much anything about the word of God, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's, it's easy sometimes to get impatient with people and be like, you're a Christian. You should know this stuff. You say you're a Christian. But I remember I was that guy, <laughs> you know? Right. And then after hearing the Sermon on the Mount, I understood that I was going to hell. And I knew that, but I still liked going to church. So I kept going. And it's funny because I'll meet people um, when I'm evangelizing, who will say some, you know, I'll, I'll take them through the the 10 commandments and get to the place, you know, if God was to judge you, should he find you innocent or guilty? And they'll say guilty. And then they'll admit they're going to hell and then they just won't care. Right. And that used to be me. Like I used to know for a fact that I was on my way to hell, but I, I just figured uh, I'll worry about that some other day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kept going to church and it was a process of about three months or so. Um, and then at one point I heard teaching on the Holy Spirit and it was just very basic. It, it was something along the lines of God can give you the power to overcome sin. And and that just made a lot of sense to me. You know, I, I, I thought, you know, yeah, that makes sense. If God can do anything, um, he's probably not going to be spending too much time making people rich or giving people cars or all this, but that makes sense. You know, mm-hmm. it, it makes sense. And, and so I believed and I actually walked down the aisle at an altar call, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you, you know, and, and there's all kinds of problems with altar calls. But in, in my case, I understood the law. I understood the gospel and that's when I got saved. And immediately, immediately after that, I started getting hit with all this temptation and, um, you know, it, it was, it was by the grace of God that I immediately stopped being promiscuous and, and put that behind me just, you know, and, and, and just got involved in church, got involved in reading the Bible and, and, you know, never looked back and yeah, never, never, never even looked at pornography again. Like it was over, you know? Um, so yeah, that God does have the power not only to save, but to keep you from, from whatever it is that, that he wants to keep you from, you know, and, 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 and obviously, you know, that, that was the beginning of my sanctification, that, that, that sin God dealt with right away. There's, there's all kinds of other ones, you know, but, but, uh, right. he definitely saved me from that one. So that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's how God saved me out of Catholicism and, and just general unbelief and not caring <laughs> praise god and so how old are you at this time that was um right around 21 about oh, 21 21 yeah so were you still biking or did you continue on with your bmx career after that i i was still biking that was that was right in the in the middle of it right kind of at the height of it um some interesting things happened about around that time one is 
you know, this is before email. So I wrote a letter. I wrote a test. I wrote my testimony out um, and made copies and mailed it to all my friends. Every pro freestyle bike rider at that time, you know, this is around 90, 91, 92. They all would have got a, a letter from me um, with my testimony. And so I lost, lost a lot of friends. Yeah. <laughs> um, but didn't care, didn't care at all. And, and it's funny because so, so I was known for being one of the guys who invented street riding. And so street riding is where you um, use obstacles on the street. So like wall riding and rails, rails and, and all, all that stuff. Um, you know, so if you ever see a sign that say no bikes or skateboards, that's partly my fault because I'm one <laughs> of the guys who like encourage kids to destroy stuff. And so after I got saved, um, you know, I would, I would go to like throw my bike over a fence that said no trespassing. And I just felt bad about it. And so eventually I just kind of didn't want to put marks on people's buildings anymore. And, you know, and eventually my, the main thing is my interest just changed. And I got so into being a Christian that I kind of stopped caring um, about BMX, but also at the same time, the recession, you know, the, the early nineties recession had, had set in and the bike companies just were losing money. The, the bike industry went from having probably like eight or nine monthly magazines to one or two and the bike companies started pulling out. And, and so like I lost my sponsor and all kinds of guys lost, lost their sponsor. And so, you know, everything kind of died as far as the industry goes. Um, now, another thing going on is during this whole time, I'm also a photographer and video guy, just kind of picked it up as a hobby. But then during all the BMX years, I started doing that main, mainly filming all my friends doing BMX. And so um, I actually am one of the first guys to film BMX and like sell VHS tapes. Remember those? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, at, at the, the blockbuster video and all that stuff. And then I got hired to um, be a producer, video producer for GT bicycles. So I would make a bunch of their, training stuff. And, and then we would make VHS, VHS tapes that BMX kids would buy, like c cut out the coupon in the back of the BMX magazine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it sounds so old just talking about this stuff. But, I know. Uh, I was just trying to explain to my kids about Blockbuster and they were like, wait a minute, what? Like they, they couldn't picture it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Why? Why yeah. would you go there? Just, yeah. We're yeah. like, no, this is what we did for the weekend. We would go on a Friday and we get to pick out two you know, VHS and yeah. <laughs> yeah. milk duds. So, and <laughs> yes. So yeah. did you go to school for any of this or are you all self-taught? Yeah. So I, in, in my high school, um, Hoover high in San Diego, they had the first, uh, elective class of video production. And so, you know, they, they had everything I learned, um, that I still use today. I, I learned in that high school class, they, they taught, uh, scripting and outlining and camera and editing. And it was just basics of everything. It, it was taught by a guy who was like a former uh, newscaster down there. And he convinced the school to, to get all this video equipment. And so I learned how to edit. And this was before 
editing software was on computers. This this might have been before computers. <laughs> so, so oh, and so so um, I learned how to edit, and then after that, I got a job at a video production company in San Diego that like transfers home movies to uh, VHS tapes back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was crazy because I, I would, so people would come in and they'd give us like 20 rolls of eight mil- millimeter film and I would put it together and you would just see someone's life just go back, it, go, by, go by in minutes. It was, wow. it was crazy, yeah. you know? Um, but so, yeah, so so I eventually just got more and more into the video production side. I, I bought a bunch of books on lighting and all that stuff. And then I went to San Diego City College to their television um, school and, and uh, just, just learned a lot of basics and, and really just kept filming and eventually got hired by GT Bikes. Um, and then they ended up making a, a television show called Crank, as in <laughs> Bicycle Crank. And, and uh, that was on Fox Sports Network. And, and so um, be, by the age of 25, I was a video producer and doing all the sports stuff and making commercials and, and uh, r- really had, you know, a- a- achieved everything I wanted in life as a, as a, a, a BMX guy and a video guy. It was, it was pretty neat. Um, but then when I got saved, I just began to pray that God would use my video skills for his glory. And, you know, that, that was, that kind of became my prayer and, and it, it was, it was, fun you know i i mean i still to this day i i watch the x games and i know some of the guys who are like announcing or or yeah the company owners and and stuff like that and and a lot of the younger guys they they grew up watching my videos so so they knew who who i am you know so it's i'll I'll get asked to like present an award at, at something some X Games contest every once in a while. It's like, we're going to bring out the dinosaur and he's going to give you a trophy, you know? So it's, 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 it's kind of, kind of fun. Um, but yeah, that was, that was a big part of my life. Right on. Sure. So you work for, would you say GTE? GT, G, uh, GT bicycles. GT bikes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's in early nineties to the mid nineties. What, yeah. what happened after that as far, cause your career kind of took a, a pretty drastic change, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm making this, this TV show and, and all this stuff, everything's great. And I'm, I'm going to church at the same time and I'm pretty involved by now. I'm, I'm teaching uh, new believers classes and, you know, involved in any way I can. And, uh, some of the pastors came to me, some of the guys I was working with, and they had started going over to Sudan in Africa um, to, you know, if you're familiar with that ministry, Samaritan's Purse, where they go and they do like, you know, disaster relief type stuff. Well, they were doing the same kind of thing out of their church. And so they came and they asked me if I would go on this mission trip and, and film stuff. And so I did, I, I went and, um, that began about eight years of full-time working for a missions organization, going in and out of, uh, third world countries and really dangerous places like Sudan, which was in a civil war at the time. Wow. And um, we, we did a lot of stuff with the persecuted church. So I, I've interviewed um, persecuted Christians who are like hiding um, out in places like Israel and Burma and Vietnam and China. And, and uh, that, that was a, that was a crazy, crazy time. Wow. wow. And so, you know, the first mission trip I went on, 
you know, I paid my own way in the whole thing. And then, and then we got back from the trip. I put a video together and um, basically we, we had gone into a famine. And so we, we put this video together and showed it to people. And that video, that one video raised over a million dollars. Wow. Uh, it was, it's insane. Like I, I think about fundraising stuff like that sure. now it's like, boy, yeah. that would be nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And so the, the church, they, they gave me my money back that I had prayed on the, that, that I had paid for on the trip, just like kind of as a thank you. And then they uh, hired me full time. Wow. And so that became, became eight years of just, just doing that um, all the time. And that definitely changed my perspective on life. And, and, you know, I, I saw suffering firsthand. I met Christians who literally were risking their lives every day to go teach at a Bible study or to go preach the gospel. Like we, we took the Jesus film over uh, the 16 millimeter projector and a generator. And we would train up some guys over there, uh, over in Sudan and then, and then come back a few months later and they'd, they'd bring the projector and it'd be like, just destroy, just thrash. And you could just tell they, they've been using this thing. And these guys were walking in and out of enemy territory and war zones just to go do a Jesus film outreach at night. It was insane. Hmm. And like, we, we would go and with, with our, with my little Bible knowledge at the time, I was, teaching at pastor's conferences simply because um, over in places like this, there might be one church and it might have one Bible and everyone shares the Bible. They take turns reading it and they, they don't know anything, but they do know that, that they are willing to follow Christ rather than Islam. Mm -hmm. And, and they're, you know, a lot of these guys have lost family or their, their families have been taken as slaves. Um, Wow. It's insane. I mean, you, you can look up stuff that happened in Sudan in the nineties, yeah. you know, it, it's, yeah. it's, it's not a secret, but, um, but yeah, so spent a lot of time just seeing a very different version of Christianity than what we see here in America, wow. you know? And, and so I would come back to America after these trips and one time, you know, so, so I'm literally filming dead bodies and people who are starving to death and just horrible stuff oh, and, and churches filled with um, Sudanese believers who are just singing worship and praising God in the midst of this, this horrible situation. Right. And then I come back to America and, and my friend who's a pastor, you know, the first counseling meeting he has is with a woman who's trying to decide whether or not she should uh, get breast implants because she wants to look better or not, you know? <laughs> and, and it's just like, and I, and I, and, and my friend, he's, he's complaining because his, his dad got him a red car for his birthday and he wanted a white one, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's, so it's just uh, very, very different. So man, what you said earlier about sanctification, um, God use a lot of that to sanctify me. Cause like I, I would get home and I'd be bitter. Like what's wrong with all these weak Christians, you know? <laughs> yeah. And and yet, you know, I was exactly like them, you mm-hmm. know, if I, if I hadn't gone on this trip, I would have known that. And and so God definitely used all these experiences to, uh, you know, change me in, in a bunch of different ways. So yeah. awesome. So that yeah. brings it up to the beginning of the, the new millennium. Is that where we're at right here in the time? Let's, uh, let's see. So, well, September 11th actually had a lot to do with another change. So September 11th happened. People started 
kind of, you know, they were afraid they were holding on to their money and something happened with the Red Cross where they misappropriated f- funds. And so people just stopped trusting charities for a little while. Oh. Um, it, it was, it was uh, just this crazy little thing. And I remember it cause it affected us. Like, like we suddenly had no funds. We stopped going to Africa and, and um, I eventually left uh, the safe harbors was the name of the ministry. I left, I left them and, Ended up being a wedding photographer for a few years, uh-huh. um, still doing side work. So I, I did freelance for a lot of different ministries, Billy Graham organizations, Samaritan's Purse, and I was around their big crusades a lot. And then um, eventually got a job making Greg Laurie's TV show. Oh, really? Hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. And, and so a lot of things happened there. So I was constantly around big crusade evangelism. So I was the guy with the camera down on the field. So when the altar call call would happen and all the people came forward, I would go up to them and ask, you know, why'd you come down to the field? And, um, you know, a lot, a lot of times it was, you know, pretty, pretty normal answer, but every once in a while, there would just be the most ridiculous stuff. You know, this is the only time I'm going to ever get to touch the, uh, the Anaheim stadium first base, you know, <laughs> and, and, or uh, I, I want to meet uh, Jeremy camp. Where is he? You know, yeah. like people yeah. would just come down. Um, but the saddest thing would be people would come down um you know, and I, I had this happen a couple of times where they'd say, I, I'd say, so why'd you come down to the field? And they said, well, this is my church. I come here once a year and this is where I, I get right with God. And, you know, that, that always, um, that always stuck with me, sure. you know? And, and, and uh, I mean, sadly, we run into that kind of thing all the time um, where people are just basing their salvation on some religious experience they had, whether it was a last month or 10 years ago, you know? And so, so I was with um, those different ministries for a while. And then during that time of watching all this big crusade of evangelism, I started getting convicted about the fact that I was not doing any kind of evangelism, mm-hmm. you know? And what's, what's sad is I was going to church all the time. And I was around these organizations all the time and I never was encouraged or taught to do evangelism myself, you know? And and so that just started really uh, messing with my mind. I I spent a good year just thinking about that and convicted about that and trying to evangelize and planning on doing it and then getting scared at the last minute and turning away. And and it was just, uh, it was, it was a really hard time. And, you know, uh, th- there were, there were times when I would evangelize and, and it was almost like when in my mind, I thought, okay, this is really important now. You know, there were, there were uh, three times when a friend of mine's relative was literally on their deathbed and they said, Hey, could you go make sure this person's going to heaven or something? And, you know, kind of stumbled my way through it. And, um, you know, there, there were, so there were times when, when I would do that, but for the most part, just didn't talk about Jesus at all. You know, that's what you did at church. That's what you did with your Christian friends. Mm -hmm. Um, But you just didn't do it to others. And so I'm going through this year of conviction. And around the end of it, I just come across this video of this little guy from New Zealand witnessing to people. It's Ray Comfort. And didn't know who he was. I didn't know who Kirk Cameron was. I'd never seen any of his TV shows. 
but I just started watching these videos and, um, you know, they, they were advertising for this thing called the ambassadors Academy, which is basically a weekend of teaching and then going out and evangelizing with Ray and the, the living waters guys. And so I thought, yeah, I'll, I'll try this. This looks like it could help. And what year is this? 2005. This is, this four? is 2008. Oh, so they, 2008. The, okay. the Academy's 2008. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so went on, went on that weekend. And so I, I had pretty much never evangelized to anyone at this point, other than like someone who was dying and couldn't say anything or, you know, just, just re- really nothing. Um, and so went on, went on that, that um, training thing and that weekend absolutely changed my life. Like God used that to just wake me up and open my eyes and, the main thing is that he just drew me to repentance, you mm-hmm. know, because, because I just, I just, just saw very clearly and, and it already kind of understood that I, I was just a coward and I was just afraid. And so, um, so we do all this teaching and then we get on a bus and we all go to Hollywood Boulevard. So like now we're all going to go preach, open air preach on Hollywood Boulevard. That's you intense. Know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like one of the worst places to, to, right. to, to do that. And so on this bus, on the way to Hollywood Boulevard, I, I just repented and I prayed and I, and I um, asked God to forgive me for not being obedient and not just doing what he wants me to do. And and just on that bus, just, uh, you know, just humbled myself and and admitted everything and, and uh, got to Hollywood Boulevard, got out and you know, watch someone open air preach and all these, you know, homeless people and, and just really not so, uh, savory people <laughs> walking <laughs> around. And, um, my team leader said, all right, your turn, get up there. And was that Tony? I, was Tony there with you? Uh, it wasn't Tony. Tony yeah. was, he was one of the leaders at right. the time. Mm-hmm. He definitely was one of the guys, but, but, um, yeah, I was just one of the other team leaders and he told me to get up on the box and I did. And, it was the most comfortable place. It was the most comfortable thing. Like, like it felt just like I was teaching a Bible study at, at church. Cause I'd been doing that already and it, and it felt no different and um, got a couple hecklers immediately yelling at me and, and it, it was, it was fine. And, and so I, I got through my first open air preaching and then immediately started talking to the, to one of the hecklers and, and, uh, did my first one-to-one conversation, you know, like all in that weekend and, and, uh, never stopped since that weekend, you know, right away I started going out every week and, and, uh, eventually the elders at my church, they, they were looking for someone to teach an evangelism class. And so, um, I did that and, and I've been going out weekly and leading teams from my church and teaching evangelism classes, not only at my church, but in, in, seminars in different places uh ever since you know so so yeah wow yeah Yeah. i remember i took uh the church that i was at in 2006 through way of the master Mm. that's when the books were starting you know first starting to come out with the study guides yeah and i remember we had like 115 people in that room and then by the time you know at the end of the the whole study you're supposed to go out 
and there mm. was four people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that's uh that that's my life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So so you um go to the Ambassador's Academy, life changing, and then where do mm. you how do you start working for Living Waters? So not too long after the academy, and so again, this was the first time I had encountered anything living living waters. You know, mm-hmm. there's all these people there who are like have been watching the show for years and they're fans and and I, I didn't know any of these these people. Um, it was it was you know the first time I I I uh, had had met Ray and and all that. And so it was about two months after that, um, where Living Waters put out a newsletter and just said they were looking for a video editor. And the the same recession that had like taken my job away had affected them, and and, and so they had lost living waters had lost their video crew a year or so earlier. They, they went to Europe. I don't know if you've ever seen the Europe episodes, but they went to Europe and, and just open air preached all over the place. They came back with a, a mountain of footage that no one really knew what they were going to do with. And then the recession happened and they, they lost a whole bunch of employees. So that footage actually sat there for a pretty long time. And then um, eventually they, we're looking for an editor. And so, um, you know, because I had gone on the Academy, I, I knew who they were, they knew who I was. And it's funny because all my years of filming BMX was basically going out and just filming everything. And then coming back to the editing room, editing room and going through a, a, a mountain of boring footage and looking for the good stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's basically what I had to do with this Europe stuff. And so they gave me um, kind of a test. They had me do one episode and, uh, it, 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 uh, you know, they liked it. And so I've been doing the TV show way of the master ever since. Wow. That is so cool. What season did you start? Did you take over? Uh, season four, season four and then season eight. Oh, that's awesome. And then you were a a big part of 180 movie, right? You helped. Yeah. So, yeah, um, I, I did uh, I did the soundtrack. So, so it was funny because Ray, Ray the, the running joke at Living Waters is Ray always goes to Hitler. Like everything's Hitler, <laughs> yep. you know, and, 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 and Ray will actually do it on purpose as a joke sometime. You know, he'll, he'll get ready. He'll get finished talking to someone. He'll just go, oh, yeah, Hitler, you know. Um, but so Ray had written a book called Hitler, God in the Bible. And so he was making a video to to go along with the book. Um and and in the process of making it, it turned into a pro-life video to where he he asked someone about abortion. You know, he asked his his famous question, it's all right to kill a baby when? Mm-hmm. And and we were all we were all looking at the footage and we just said, This this isn't about Hitler anymore. This this you know, you can leave Hitler in it, but this this is about abortion. And so I I um I myself Mark Spence um, and and others, we we kind of worked, just kind of re- redirecting that, um, and then do, doing a you know just kind of helping in a way. Um, Ray Ray has always been the director as far as having the big idea and like being the guy to go out and start things, and then we'll kind of come in and you know make it happen, make it yeah, or yeah. Or, or give suggestions, you mm-hmm. know that kind of thing. So so I was involved in one eighty and. In that way, and then and then pretty much every other, you know, video we've we've put out since then, it's kind of been the same. Where where there's a group of us that kind of give their input and 
you know, help move things around. Yeah, our family um, always looks for your name at the end when we're like atheist delusion. Oh, we fun. were like, there's Eddie's name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, yeah. just that 180 movie. I mean, I've personally handed out thousands of and those. Then, that and that movie changed my life. Yeah. So when I got saved in about 2009, 2010, I was struggling with the issue of abortion. I knew it was wrong, but I was, you know, still in that mindset of like, I can't tell anybody else what to do judge not you know um and my pastor gave me the 180 movie and said you know watch this and i was just in tears and so that really was that changed that movie really changed my life and like gave me the courage to start going out when we would go out and then actually met eddie outside of an abortion clinic in mm-hmm. San yes. Diego. Uh, me and Don would go, and uh, with some others, Zeph and I, Mel, and the Higgins, Richard and Shannon, and God, we got to see God close that um, that facility. That awesome. Yeah, you. I was with just that, with that with that crazy security guard lady. Yeah, remember her? Uh, yeah. Uh, then then that the abortionist. There's a if you look on oh, YouTube, yeah. it's called like demonic abortionist. He yeah. got in our friend Zephaniah's right. face and put some scissors up into his throat. Robert Santella. That man ended up dying a couple years later. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, that that video went viral. Yeah, that video went viral, views. and then I know you and Don <clears throat> went out to Planned Parenthood together several times to witness. Yeah. So, um, just God is amazingly sovereign, and uh, I got to meet your beautiful wife and your boys. And actually, I don't think yeah. I ever got to meet. I think I got to meet a couple of your boys down at Comic Con because we went out with you guys oh, yeah. downtime. Yeah. Um, yep. So yeah, if you're you want to share what has happened recently too with um, your son, Jesse and um, kind of what God has brought your family through. And it's just uh, a tragedy, but also very just encouraging to see how God has just worked through both you and your, your wife. I read your wife's blog and Mm. um, it was very, very encouraging to just read how God gave you guys the strength to endure such a trial. So I won't say anymore. I'll let you share that because it's, it, yeah. It's a very amazing story, actually. Well, real quick, just because you mentioned his name, Richard Higgins. So, <laughs> funny thing about Richard Higgins. So, he's one of the guys that um, w- that continues to go down to abortion clinics in San Diego. Mm-hmm. So, I I met him. I don't know. It was like five years ago or so, and we get to talking, and you know, he, he finds out about my BMX pass, and he says, you know, when I was a little kid, I used to walk to school. And, um, there, you know, there was this guy who lived on the block, um, on this hill, this, the school I, I went to, and I, I would walk, I, I would walk to school and, and he was always doing these tricks going down the hill. He would do this frame stand thing where you kind of stand on the bike and, and you're not using it. And, and I asked him what street it was. And he told me, and I said, that was me. <laughs> no, <laughs> what? Yeah. That's crazy. Wow. It's so funny. That's awesome. What part of San... So you went to Hoover High. So where did you guys live growing up? I lived in East East San Diego. So did we. So I went to Patrick Henry. Zach went to Grossmont. Yeah. We grew up in like La Mesa, San Carlos. Mount Helix. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I I lived... I grew up right off of Home Avenue. So when you go... When you go down the freeway, you always see Home Avenue. So East... Yeah. Off off the 94 or off of 8? 94. Yeah. Uh, uh Uh-huh. The the ninety four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I know where that is. Yeah, so, yeah. Look at that. We're in the same hood almost. So you must. Well, <laughs> you live in what? You guys are in Murrieta now. We're in Murrieta. Okay, now. so you probably yeah. still get good Mexican food there. Heck yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Not here. So, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Sad. Um, yeah, San Diego has better Mexican food than Mexico. Amen. No. 
uh, <laughs> maybe that's not true. All my my friends from Mexico are gonna beat yeah. me up for that one. Okay, just anywhere uh, else. So yeah. Then yeah. <laughs> yes. All right. So uh, at the end of 2018, my son Jesse he was driving through a torrential rainstorm. And his car lost control and he went off the side of the road and went about 15 feet into a ditch. Somebody driving by um, did not stop to help him, but he, but they called the, the paramedics. And so the paramedics came and they looked for him and they couldn't find him mm-hmm. because this was in a really dense area. And they looked for him for a while. And then finally, as they were all packing up to leave, one of the, the paramedics just happened to go over and look over the the side of the road and saw him down there. And so mm-hmm. they, they got him out. The The weather was so bad. They, they wanted to life flight him, but they couldn't um, because the, the weather was so bad for the helicopter. So they took him to the hospital and put him on life support. And so this happened in the middle of the night. Um, the next day I was at work um, and my work was about an hour and a half away from the hospital he was at. And I got a call from my wife and she basically just said, I'm on my way to the hospital. The, they they told me that Jesse's there, but they won't tell me anything else. Mm. And parents' so I, worst nightmare. Yeah, and they basically said, "Get here as fast as you can." Mm-hmm. And so I I, I uh, finished I finished my last edit of a TV show I was working on, and I just I just said to the guys, I, "I'm not sure when I'm going to be back." And and I left, and and I got to the hospital and walked in and saw my son hooked up on life support with all kinds of tubes and wires and um, his face was just destroyed and he was, he was just a mess. And the doctor comes in and starts explaining to me things. And I literally got lightheaded and I had to sit down because it was just so overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And he had, he had, so, so he had flipped his car, his flipped his truck a couple times. The truck was destroyed and Basically, his head took the brunt of the impact. So he 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 um, broke his the area around his jaw and different places in his in his in his skull in about five different places. He um, his or his uh, optical nerve was crushed. So his eye actually is fine, but he he's now permanently blind in one eye because of the optical nerve was destroyed, and he suffered a traumatic brain injury. And so he was in the hospital intensive care and then in um, rehabilitation for about six weeks. When he came to, he didn't know who I was. He didn't know who his mom was. Um, he couldn't talk. He couldn't walk. Like he, he really did start from, from ground zero. Mm. And so he, he uh, had all kinds of hallucinations and, and crazy stuff during this time. And, and so eventually he got out and he had to come home. And then and then we began taking care of a guy who would almost fall down the stairs every time he would try to walk. And, and it was it was so so uh it was it was a good man, I would say nine months of me and my wife just full time, you know, care, taking turns caring for him and just being around him. And um he was just very unpredictable with a with a traumatic brain injury you just don't know what you're going to get. It's not like a broken arm where they could say, okay, this is going to heal in this many days, but it's, it's just all over the place. And and so um, it it was horrible. And so my wife and I basically 
had to come to a place where, where we, we just had to trust God more than ever before, mm-hmm. you know, looking, looking at your son and just thinking he could, he could literally be a vegetable for the rest of his life, wow. you know? Um, or even before that, we didn't know if he was going to survive. And later the doctors would tell us they didn't think he was going to make it. Like they, they all thought he was going to die. Um, and just go into a place where, where you realize my life is about to get really hard and my life might not go the way I thought it was going to go, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but at the same time, trusting God with that. And, you know, so it was, it was definitely a, a big time of growth for both my wife and I, our family actually came together a lot stronger. Um, one of the pastors um, that I'm close to, he, he took me aside during this time and he said, you need to really be strong now more than ever before. Um, and you need to know that statistically speaking, marriages do not last when something like this happens. They, they just don't. Um, and so that, that really, uh, you, you know, sobered me up and, and, um, Made, made me really just, you know, realize how, how devastating and serious this whole thing is. So, so, you know, um, thankfully the Lord definitely proved himself faithful and, and just did nothing but strengthen us and help us. And, and our church came together in amazing ways. Like we, we just continually would get support and, meals we got so fat because people just kept bringing us meals all the time and, 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 uh, uh, yeah it's like the, the meal train is on and, yeah. and uh but i mean taking care of uh, you know we have three other boys and yeah. so giving them rides to school and, and just supporting in every different way it was it was it was uh an outpouring of of god's love by god's people that i, that I had just never experienced before and so the best thing to come out of all this is that when, when Jesse finally came out of his coma and was coherent again, um, he said to me, you know, uh, I'm glad that God saved me because I would have went straight to hell. Mm. And he admitted that he had been just playing the game and he wasn't a Christian and, and that he, he just would have went to hell and he knew that. Um, And, since that time, you know, at the end of 2018, um, he has grown. He is a Christian. He's bearing fruit. He's in fellowship. He's he's studying. And I mean, he's a changed guy. And mentally, um, he's he's come just amazingly far. If you were to meet him and talk to him, you wouldn't think, he had a brain injury. You you wouldn't suspect that if you knew him before, you definitely would see some changes. Mm-hmm. But he he he's doing great. He just got hired at a local gym as a personal trainer. Um, he's always been into fitness. Um, you know, su- super buff, just like his dad, <laughs> and uh, always been uh, um, just really into CrossFit. And he was actually on his way to to. Uh, joined the military. His his goal was to be a Navy SEAL, and 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 he might have actually pulled it off. Like, it, it's he he was a really fit, disciplined guy, um, and so so that's that's you know one of his dreams that w- was taken away. So that's something he had to deal with in the last few few years. But mm-hmm. he he's he's definitely um, past that, and and just really thankful to be alive. And 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 again, the most important thing is he's. Uh, he's saved and he's a different person and 
God not only gave him a new chance at life, but but gave him a whole new life. So yeah. wow. thing, thing, things are good. That's good. That's so good to hear. Yeah, God even can use uh, car wrecks to, yeah. to yes. wake people up. And I think it was just a big wake-up call for him. Same thing happened to John MacArthur. I don't know if you guys know. Oh, yeah. I remember, I remember he was, right. yeah, he was ejected from the car. And he said that he was fully coherent while he was spinning around like wow. he was having these deep thoughts while he was like flying through the air skidding on his backside on the oh, asphalt man. like god had given him the ability just to you know because anybody else you'd lose conscience or you would forget about these things yeah yeah but he was just so aware of it so god can even use like a type of stuff to wake you up so i'm, yeah. I'm so glad he's okay you gotta watch this video he's doing great yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll, i'm gonna put it at the end of this you know interview but it's just really encouraging and now that he's yeah. a trainer if you see like what he was like right after the wreck he could barely walk and then at the end he's <clears throat> running and then now he's a personal yeah. trainer but yeah. you just you think about you know like you were saying your plans for your life your plans for your kids and um you don't you don't plan for these things um but eddie i was listening to your podcast roman's road and on your first one you're talking about the brevity of life and you know and just like that god doesn't really care if we're a bmx or, or we're a navy seal or whatever you know what what's more important is our righteousness and we don't have our yeah. own righteousness we need christ's righteousness so as a parent as you know i'm sure that was like the most traumatic thing for you and your wife to go through I'm and sure but Man. gosh, if that's what it took to bring your son to the Lord, then it was all worth it. You know, all the pain yeah. and all that trial. And uh, we just, we always pray for, you know, we don't want bad things to happen to our kids, but sometimes those are the things that need to happen for God yeah. to bring them to himself. And so it's just a beautiful, beautiful story. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that with us. We, yeah. def we definitely want our kids to land in a ravine, even though it's so painful rather than have their destination be eternal punishment like he had said yeah you know that's, yeah so it was an act of god's grace by allowing that to happen yeah and when yeah. We're, we're looking at like eddie you were in your sermon you were talking about just how fast life goes and we're just we get so consumed with you know the people that we're living you know dealing with in our daily life but really like for god it's nothing it's just we're, mm -hmm. we're here and we're gone and we're that's it you know and so if yeah. we're, we're keeping our eyes heavenward and we're looking at eternity and keeping our mind on eternity then these things you know make more sense and there you see the importance of okay well we had to we had to go through that trial but now my son is going to be with me for eternity yeah so you know absolutely well it's getting a little long so we're not going to keep you too much we're so thankful for your time i just got a couple questions um mm -hmm. for you before we let you go um so of course the primary purpose of this podcast is to help train christians as you guys do to properly share their faith um and then also just to get the gospel out so for those Christians that are like trepidatious, like we have all always been, you know, all of us have gone through that time of being fearful and, um, you know, trying to get out there and evangelize, but not doing it. How would you encourage the Christians who are not yet in the game or in the field? How would you encourage them to get in? What, uh, what are some, some necessary first steps? Man, I would say, um, in, in the simplest way that you can trust God. You know, I look at evangelism uh, very similar to prayer and that prayer is one of those things that all Christians, we know we, we should do it, 
And yet it's a discipline. It's something we have to do. It shouldn't be something that we do once a year. It should, it should be something that we, we do. And yet just like the prayer meeting, it's, it's very neglected. It's mm-hmm. not something that, that, uh, people d- do easily. And, you know, I would say the, the, the biggest reason that people don't evangelize is, is simply because of fear, fear of what people are going to think, fear that, you know, you're not going to do it right or mess up. And that really just usually comes down to pride. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're, if, if you're a Christian and you know enough to have been saved then you know enough to explain it to someone else, right? So there really is no excuse. Um, so often people think, you know, they, they look at videos of, of Ray and Jeff Durbin and all these guys, you know, who have all the answers and some Mormon walks up and next thing you know, Jeff Durbin is like explaining their theology to them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're, you're watching those videos and you're thinking, I can't do that. Well, you need to realize that that that, that is not required, you know, um, the majority of evangelism counters that I have, and even that Ray has, they're, they're, they're pretty straightforward. They're simple. People aren't asking a whole lot of questions. People aren't blocking you with all these, these crazy ob- objections. You know, that happens once in a while, but mm. the the majority of, of going out and explaining the gospel to people is just me going through my gospel presentation and, and them listening, you know, and there, there's so much, um, there, there's so much just false situations that we have, have in our mind that mm-hmm. we think is going to happen. You know, we're going to get punched or we're going to get laughed at or, or whatever. And, and sure, those things might happen. But if you make evangelism just a normal practice, normal part of your life, um, it, 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 you, you really see that it's, it's not as hard as you think. It's not as crazy as you think. It's just talking to people. You know, we talk to people about everything else, right? Uh, we don't talk to people about the, the one thing that r- really matters. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as fear goes, I, I would just say, trust the Lord, you know, in, in, in Joshua one, nine, um, Joshua is, is being sent out to go fight a war and, and, God says to him, don't fear, don't be afraid because the Lord, your God is with you right. wherever you go. And, and it's such a basic, you know, kids Sunday school concept that we know about God. And yet it's not something we practice, you know, but, but evangelism is definitely one of the places where we can just trust God and, and put our faith in him on a regular basis. So, you know, awesome. I, 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 I would say, if you, if it's something you've, you've not done before, um, go watch a bunch of Ray comfort videos, a bunch of Jeff Durbin videos, just, you know, just watch that stuff. And then just go to that person that you've been wanting to talk to, you know, you, you, you know, who it is or someone in your life, whether they're at work or a relative and you in, when you're around them, you just think, I need to, I need to explain the God, just do it yeah. and, and, and trust God, you know, even if something, negative was to happen, you can still trust God. Amen. That's absolutely awesome. Okay. So one last thing, we'll hopefully have a lot of unbelievers listening to this. So could you just take a brief minute or so and just share the gospel? Yeah. So the gospel, according to first Corinthians uh, 15 is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay. And the, and the reason that matters is because the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is how God paid the price 
for our sin. And, and so sin is basically anything that you do that is against God's will. And so a very easy way to look at sin is just to look through the Ten Commandments. You know, if you've ever lied to someone, you're a liar in God's eyes. If you've ever stolen anything, you're a thief. If you've ever used God's name in vain, whether you believe in him or not, whether you care about him or not, if you've done that, you're a blasphemer. If you've ever looked at a woman with lust, uh, according to Jesus, that makes you an, an adulterer. And so all these things are, are just sins that all of us commit. And the reason that we commit these sins is because is we're sinners. You know, it just shows our nature. The things we do against God just sh- simply show that we're against him. We're his enemies. And that's the bad news because God's enemies will be punished. God, God will have the last word, mm-hmm. right? No, no matter how proud you are, no, no matter how, how big of a case you might think you have against the creator of the universe, the, the fact of the matter is God rules the universe and he will have the last say. And that's the bad news for sinners like us. But the good news is, is that the same God who will judge us is also a merciful king. And he's provided a way to save guilty sinners from the punishment they deserve. And the promise of, of the God who created you is this. If you turn from your sin, and that begins in your mind, if you turn from your sin and put your faith in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection, then you'll be saved from the punishment you deserve. You don't have to try to be good in order to work your way to God because it's too late for that. None of us can be that good. But the fact is that God loves his people so much that he's provided a way for them to be saved. And if you trust in Jesus Christ and, and stop trusting in yourself, then, then he will accept you as one of his, his children. And that's the gospel, right? That's a short version of it. Um, you know, if you, if, you, if you want the long version of it, a bunch of different websites you can go to, livingwaters.com, um, apologia.com. What are you guys? <laughs> I'll Apologia let you guys Studios. handle this. Yeah. No, that was, there, abs- there that was great. Go. That was such a great, <laughs> simple, straightforward, rich gospel presentation. So mm-hmm. I'm so thankful. We just need to do that all the time. If you come on our show, you're going to end up sharing the I gospel. I love it. So, yeah. No, I mean, that was it's, awesome. it's the most important thing we could share. It is. It is the power of God and his salvation. Absolutely. And if you have time, Google um, Eddie Roman, Living Waters, and you're going to see how Eddie has a really um, interesting way that he goes about sharing the gospel too that draws a cl- uh, crowd. Uh, he's an artist, so he uses um, art in his presentation one of the things that you do not always right but i wouldn't i wouldn't call myself an artist but i would say i've you i've learned how to paint a <laughs> couple different things in order to preach the gospel i, I actually have a website eddyroman.com where you, where you can see my r and get to my podcast and all kinds of different stuff yeah. right on and then yeah. what's the name of your podcast I, I already said it but can you tell where it's, where people can go listen to that Romans Road. And so, you know, if you if you get on your podcast app and put in Romans Road, Eddie Roman, um, it should come up. Hopefully, if I'm paying my bills this month, it should be there. So. I love the the art presentation. My son really loved it. And he, uh, he was like, maybe I can use my art like that. So, you know, there there's you different levels of artists. So. I don't know. Yeah. Well, thank you for your time, brother. We are yeah. sure appreciate it. And please give your love to our, give our love to your family. 
Okay, I will. <laughs> yeah, we just uh, so appreciate you and all that you do for the kingdom. And uh, thank you for just your time and sharing your story. Yeah, thanks, man. I know uh, you're busy and um, it's just amazing what God's doing with you guys over there. I, I think we'll, we won't know the extent of it until we're together in glory. You know, what God has done through Living Waters and uh, just the team of incredible men that you guys are. Um, so thank you for all the work that you're doing to get the gospel out. It's awesome. And for coming on, we appreciate it. Well, thanks so much. It's been uh, my joy. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. That was awesome. That was. So I just love um, just listening to these different stories and just how God makes us, like I was saying, Eddie's so unique in his giftings and mm -hmm. his story and his testimony and just how God has orchestrated all that. And like, you know, he's been doing so much work for Living Waters. He's not, it, when you think of Living Waters, people are like, oh, I love Ray. And, mm -hmm. you know, but he's just there plowing and working and getting the gospel yeah. out. Yeah, oh, it takes a village. You yeah, know? and, and yeah. he's just kind of behind the scenes, you know. And yeah. uh, I think that so many of, like, heroes of the faith are going to be people that, that aren't in the limelight. They're the people that are just doing the hard work and yeah. labor. And, yeah, that's what we talked about last time. Yeah. A lot of times a limelight can just uh, spoil because mm -hmm. you can let the light get to, get to your head. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like we had talked about, it's so much easier to succeed in obscurity than in popularity. Yeah. But yeah, it's, I mean, it just seems like in, in ministries, God will have certain individuals that fulfill that role. Mm -hmm. You know, like uh, Ray would be, like how fulfills the role that Jeff fulfills, mm -hmm. but it's just the team that comes together with all the unique giftings that complement one another to do the work of God. Yeah. And it's just so awesome to see that happening over there. Totally. So, and speaking of, Ray's coming on next yeah. time. So that'll be exciting. Mr. Comfort is yeah. coming on. I'm going to, I'm going to try to get him because I think there, I don't know if it's still happening, but I think in the past, if you could find him without one of his tracks, he would give you some money. Yeah. So we'll see. Because I think um I think he jumped in a pool one time. I think I and heard I the think, story. Yeah. I think uh, somebody's like, Hey, where's your track? And he pulled it out of his was like, bathing suit and it was wet. <laughs> yeah, so we'll we'll see. Yeah, he's hardcore. That's great. Yeah, he's yeah. so rad. Okay, guys. Well, we love you. We're so thankful for you uh tuning in to provoke, share it, like it, do all that YouTube stuff. Um, so we can yeah, just move forward with training people how to share the gospel and rescue little precious babies dying out there. Yeah. So we will see you next time. See you next time. Thank you.